super like floaty magical we're ghosts yes. yeah we're ghosts of the theater because <laughs> we're in fine. an actual theater guys we're in an actual mother freaking reality we're it's it's, it's <laughs> what do i mean by that a real theater an actual theater space right now guys thought defunct by yeah. society uh, yeah um yeah, it's 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 amazing. <laughs> I'm really. I haven't excited. been in this building for six months. I know. I've been here because I I live pretty close by, and I've come to help out with some stuff. But, ladies and gentlemen, we are recording today for the first time, all three of us in a same room. Yes, I miss together, my cats. And we are in the magical Broadwater Theater Complex in Hollywood. That's right. Home and it of feels the so Sacred good. Fools theater Company. And it feels except great. for my cats. <laughs> Except not having our cats next to us, it is the perfect situation. Yes, we're in a theater. In fact, welcome to Theater Theater, <laughs> right? Might as well do it. The theater podcast for theater people made by three theater nerds from the L.A. theater scene. My name's Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm C.J. Merriman. I'm Scott Leggett. And we're each members of the Sacred Fools Theater Company, which <laughs> is housed at the place where we are right now. Yes. And each week we get together and we talk about plays and playwrights that we have strong opinions on. And uh, we discuss, debate, and disseminate all over them. Yeah. So uh, this is our mini-series. All over that shit. Sweeney Pod, the demon podcast of Fleet Street. <gasps> Bailey, the I... The works Bailey, of Steven. Bailey, Bailey, Sweeney I love, Pod. I love the title. Do you? I love it. Uh, you are a genius. Thank you. Thank you for coming up with such a great idea. I appreciate that more than you can possibly imagine. They're um, always so good, Bailey. Uh-huh. Give me more. Awesome. Okay. It's so great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. What does he eat? Attention. <laughs> yeah. I'm full. A steady fucking diet of your love and attention. <laughs> Guys, I'm really fucking excited about this. I woke up excited about this. I did. I woke up. My palms were actually sweaty. That was also mostly because of the tech situation and recording <laughs> sure. differently than we've done before. And I was right. nervous about it. It's been pretty easy on Zoom, even though the quality hasn't been great. We've been fine. But now all of a sudden we're in a real space and it's like... No ice cream now, truck this time. It's also, no ice cream truck. We should say that... I am not a sound engineer, and we're, we're, we're learning this. We're doing our best. But right now, all the lines are bouncing, Yeah, yes. and the th- the red line's going. Yeah. Um, well, you know, this, I was thinking about this. This might be an entry point for a lot of new listeners. I figure if people here, are going to go, oh, what's this theater podcast that's doing an episode on Stephen Sondheim? Right. Sondheim? Yeah. And I think the reason behind that is because Sondheim, uh, a lot of people have a lot of opinions on Sondheim. People have a lot of... People get very emotional about Sondheim, I found. They yeah. do. Yes. Oh, yeah. And there's a, there's a uh, let's be honest, there's a little bit of a pretension surrounding uh, the sort of the fandom of Sondheim, I would say. I- I'm part of that fandom, so agreed, I'm allowed to say agreed. that. But there's that, there's that sort of part of everyone that's like, 
this is my Sondheim, right? So no one else understands Sondheim like I do. And <laughs> it's my wrong. Sondheim. Well, and I, I think there's so, so many, it's so hard. Like yeah. it's just hard. So and when, when you pull it off, if you get, if you do Sondheim and you pull it off, it's yeah. like you, you have to feel some ownership over yeah. it because it's just, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard stuff. Uh, no matter what the part is like, you know, and, Watching that evolution, yeah. which we were talking, Bailey and I were talking about today. The show is really about us talking about the evolution of a playwright over yeah. time. Yeah. Sometimes we've jumped around, but Sondheim in particular, I think, I don't know. I think he. It's a pretty clear arc. He took what, what would have been a great American art. Yeah. And he popped it to the next level. And yeah. then it kind of like, that's where it was for a long for fucking sure. time. Yeah. And he defined it like he was ahead of the the march in terms of the quality of the music, the complexity of the music, the yeah. variance of the music and all the musicology behind it. Absolutely. You well, know, you, but I, I felt too, that like his, his style, the way that the music sounded, the things that were kind of his Sondheim gimmicks, uh-huh. they change big time. Sure. Oh yeah. 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 He doesn't, his really only one trick ponies. There's a period of time from the late seventies through through assassins where he's using using a lot of the same folks primarily because sure. he can trust oh, them yeah. to do it right yeah, right yeah. but the, beyond that no i agree like and i was stunned by like how well some of it holds up i thought Absolutely. company surely would have been a well, dated thing now they updated the they book did like update in the what, 2006 or yeah. something yeah but even still like it the changes are, are just a little dialogue to right. more the little than, things. But everything else works. Still, it just is a timeless thing. You yeah. Know? You, there's things you can thread you can pull apart. Right. I get there's ahead, there's I threads get everywhere. Myself. We will be pulling them like a mofo. Pull yeah. them um, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, let's let's just like fucking get into it because I feel like this is going to be long. I want to start off with what we call uh, Scott's History Corner. <laughs> I want to, I just, <laughs> I need to know. I wear connoisseurs of context. I want to understand. Where's this guy Dude. from? What's his deal? I know a little bit. I know about like mentorships and stuff, but that's about it. Dude yeah. Ted. Now he, um, it's interesting because I, I love doing the, uh, the amateur Freudian analysis of playwrights, like, sure. you know, sure. uh, and how things play out over their lives. Tell me about um, your mother. And, and uh, I, th- this is not Scott's history corner is let's be clear is scott getting high and and checking out wikipedia yeah. <laughs> and just getting a general knowledge because like why don't we call it scottopedia thank you i'll take <laughs> it i'll done, take done. it uh steven joshua sondheim mm. was born march 22nd my first 1930 name, by the way. he's 90 years old oh wow year. really yeah 19- wait what yeah i know I know Still he's, kicking. he's, he's kept Amazing. well. Like, yeah. He, cause he did an appearance two or three years ago sure. and he, he looked great. That's like, amazing. Huh? You uh, said his middle name's Joshua. Joshua. That's what the J and J Bailey stands for yeah. folks. Josh Page. The mystery Josh has been solved. Josh, Josh Page, Page Birch. <laughs> Josh Page Birch. <laughs> Josh Page Birch. Um, I will be, uh, legally changing my name to that. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good you one. You can't yeah. now. Now it's, 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 stuff. it's on the internet. Yeah. You can't get rid of it. It's like, in the like her- well, in the, the J cloud. in my name stands for Joshua. <laughs> like herpes. C Joshua Merriman. Merriman, yeah. And the Christina, first, the first one is just C Christina Joshua, Christina Joshua Merriman, <laughs> and Scott Joshua Leggett. Perf- yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize. No, he's Joshua Scott. Is he? Scott's yeah. his middle name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, back Wait, to really? Sunday. Uh-huh. Are we both? We both go by our middle names. No, no this is yeah. clearly better content. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this the, is clearly why everyone is listening to this episode. So, uh, <laughs> and that sort of wraps up the Sondheim. That's it. Bye, That's episode one Thanks of our miniseries, the Revelation, Sweetie Pie. <laughs> Uh, anyway, no, keep going. I want to hear more. Uh, see, uh, he is Jewish, having been born to a Jewish family in New York City. Yeah. Uh, the son of Etta, Jeanette, or Foxy, uh, oh, was his mom, ooh, quote, Etta, uh, and Herbert Sondheim. Uh, his father manufactured dresses designed by his mother. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. Now, Phantom this doesn't... Yeah, it doesn't, it goes awry pretty quick. Uh, his parents divorced. He was an only child. Uh, he was described and self-described as isolated, emotionally neglected child. Uh, yeah. Like so, all of us. I mean, I think all this, of us are. I was about to say, I'm just. <laughs> sounds like a theater kid to me. It sounds totally like a theater kid. <laughs> but then you just see, like, you just see it. You see it in George and sure. you see it in Robert and For sure. you see it in these characters. Absolutely. Oh, he, um, after the divorce, he grew up on a farm near Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Uh, his parents were what you would describe as well-to-do, mm-hmm. uh, gave him a lot of connections. Um, his father left his mom for another woman. Mm. Uh, now, he did try to get custody of Stephen, but was not successful. Hmm. Uh, he seemed to, well, he lost his father when he was pretty young, uh, and... So he didn't, he, he detested his mother. Aww. He hated gotcha. his mom. She really took out the divorce on him. He described her as psychologically abusive and projected her anger from her failed marriage onto her son. Oh, wow. Uh, he did not go to her funeral. Which, wow. Jesus. Like was, I actually didn't know any of that. That's yeah. Nice. Huh. Well, and then you see it. I think he's dealing with For it sure. into the woods. Absolutely. I, think he's, sure. I mean, he's dealing with it in a lot of places, you know, but there's a lot of like, well, Sunday in the park with George, his relationship <laughs> with his mom. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Act two. Yeah. Um, we'll get there. Let's see. Uh, he began uh, attending Williams College, which is a liberal arts college in Williamstown, Massachusetts, uh, and whose theater program attracted him. Now, when he was about 10 years old, uh, he becomes friends uh, with another uh, uh, young boy named James Hammerstein. That Who's name sounds familiar. He sure does, because he's the son Christ. of uh, lyricist and playwright Oscar Hammerstein II. Oh. Jesus. Um, the Elderstein basically became Sondheim's surrogate father, um, influencing him profoundly in developing his love of musical theater. Amazing. Um, it was while Sondheim attended the opening of South Pacific that he met Hal Prince. Right. Mm. Hal Prince would become his... One uh, of his big directors. His big Yeah, yeah, for a lot, a lot of the big ones. Yeah. A lot of the big ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, basically what happens is uh, Sondheim is going to a fancy school called uh, the George School. Uh, and he writes for the review talent show thing, a musical called By George, because the school's called the George School. Ah, that's cute. By George. And he showed it to Mr. Hammerstein and uh, asked Hammerstein to evaluate it as though he had no knowledge of its author. Right. And he said it was the worst thing he had ever seen. (laughs) But if you want to know why it's terrible, I'll tell you. Right. And they basically spent a day going over the musical. This is lore and legend. And so was born the mythical Sondheim. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, and then basically, you know, Sondheim would 
forever say that in that afternoon I learned more about songwriting and the musical theater than uh, most people learn in a lifetime. There's yeah. nothing like getting your ass kicked yeah, by really somebody though. artistically. And like by yeah. a grandmaster too, who exactly. has the, exactly. you know, the courage, you know, like that's a hard thing. Cause I'm, I'm sure you've been asked by younger people to check out their acting. Would you help me with my monologue? And you're like, nobody ever asks like, me for like that. <laughs> oh. well, I get it all the time only because I teach so many kids. Right. So I get a lot of like, I'm auditioning for college. Can you help me with the audition for, you know, monologues mm -hmm. and things like that? Well, yes. I'm in, now I'm going to ask you next time I go to the monologue seat. Actually, next oh, time okay. I need I choreography help. help, I'm going to go to CJ Choreography, Merriman. yeah. CJMerriman.org. Uh, dot <laughs> No, that just reminded me. I had two directors when I was in high school basically pull me aside during shows and say, like, you think you're hot shit, yeah. but you may be talented, but nobody's going to want to work with you with your crappy attitude. And I think we all had to have that you know, moment. Yeah. Right? I think we all, at some oh, point, yes. every, I was mortified though. Yeah. And it stuck with me. Every theater kid and, had a moment where a, a mentor came up and put their hand on your freaking shoulder and clawed and you, you a yeah. little bit yeah. and dug in and said, yo, calm you're, the fuck down. You're talented. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah, not yeah. that okay, talented. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. For sure. Uh, so, okay. So then what happens after that? He, oh he, yeah. So this oh, is cool know, though. Didn't he write this like is, a, uh, you might be about to say that, I apologize, but didn't he write and not finish in college a Mary Poppins <gasps> yes, musical? Yes, I'm, get, I'm getting to okay. it. This is badass. Right. And to think of like, you know, who, who would you like to have you give, <laughs> give you this lesson? Yeah. So Hammerstein basically designed a musical theater writing creative right. course heard about for this. Sondheim. Yes. Wow. And he laid down, this is like Mr. Miyagi level yeah. crazy because this is wax what he on, has to do. Off. So he had, he had the young composer write four musicals. Shit. He had to write four full musicals. Yeah. The first one had to be based on a play that he admired. And Sondheim chose George S. Kaufman and Mark Connolly's uh, Beggar on Horseback, which became right. All That Glitters. Right. Hmm. Um, most Way of these later. weren't ever produced, or right. if they were, it was just sort of as a wink thing. Yeah. Next, he had to uh, do a musical based on a play that he liked, but thought was flawed. And Sondheim chose Maxwell Anderson's High Tour. Can I don't we have know Maxwell that. Anderson on our list? We may not. We don't. We should. We should bring him down. Yeah, I don't know that play though. No, mm -hmm. I, I vaguely. I okay. vaguely know it. Um, and then uh, third, he had to do a musical based on an existing novel or short story not previously dramatized, mm. and that ah. became his unfinished version of Mary Poppins. Wasn't it called? I I this see if you bullshit. know what it's called. I'm pretty sure this is just like random music theater school knowledge. Um, is it Bad Tuesday? It is Bad yes. Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> wow. wow. I, it's one of those things that like stuck in my craw for some weird reason, where I was always like. There is an alternate timeline where we're all performing Mary Poppins by Stephen Sondheim. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it has nothing to do with the Disney thing, right? It has nothing to do with the Disney Mary nope. Poppins. It's purely a um, Travers uh, book adaptation uh, with him doing all of his Sondheim yep. time shit. And huh. it, he just never finished it. Never finished it. Huh. Uh, yeah. Or never if it did, it never it became just never anything. Came yeah. Um, and then, of course, I think, well, probably because not too much longer away from that is the 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 sherman brothers and right. disney they do it and then they do one of the best movies in the fucking world 
Um, and then, I agree. I love that. But we're going to talk about Angela Lansbury later, and I'll bring up Ben on the six, and we'll we'll get into it. Forever. Um, I think we've had that debate already, actually, <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, and then he had to do a completely original musical called... Uh, and that became a play called Climb High. Gotcha. None of the assignment musicals were produced professionally. Hmm. Uh, High Tour and Mar- Mary Poppins have never been produced at all. Um, but also that's like the best lesson is to like just write something and do it and have to have done it for the sake of doing it and it not really be about the the what comes after. Like right. that's, that's homework. I mean, that uh, homework. That's true like mentorship. That's mm-hmm. true like apprenticeship. Well, and it gives you permission to... To take risks. Yeah, yeah, it gives yeah. you permission to yeah. fail, you know. To yeah. write things like Mary Poppins. You know, it's like it's, playing uh, college you know, ball. It's I so it. many I, I've talked to so many screenwriters who just like all their you know, their well not all their careers, but so much of their careers, can you fix this? Can you can you redo right. this? And da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And it's all so precise. So to be able to just write, yeah. you know? Hell Love yeah, it. man. Yeah, that's amazing. So then what after college it is when he starts getting produced or is it is he still in school when does yeah what's his first show his first show comes in 1954 and it is called saturday night oh yeah and um it was recently redone uh i don't i can't remember since it wasn't one i of our think it dives. was done on the west end yeah, it, uh, and like my when I was in like high school. Hmm. Yeah, they 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 so like last it off. year. So like two years ago. Yeah, <laughs> let me see if I have any because there was there was a cool quote where he was talking about <laughs> class of 2018. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am class of 09. Uh, no big deal. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that was around my senior year because it was like a big deal in our circles. He, um, um, but didn't it? It didn't get produced for real because someone died. Yes. It, yes. Correct. He was working um, with the the writer of the book, um, uh, who, by the way, is are the Epstein brothers who wrote the screenplay of Casablanca. Yes. No big deal. Oh. Which, if y'all want to go back and listen to old episodes, we have a whole mini series on plays <laughs> that have been turned into movies and. Funny story, Casablanca was a play first. Yeah. Look it up. It was a, a terrible play. play first. It was a really bad play called Everybody Comes at Rick's. You should hear us talk about it. We rip it up. Everybody Comes at Rick's. Sorry. Wow. CJ. This is C- an entry point for <laughs> families. <laughs> they are here to hear about show. Meryl Streep <laughs> now and her performance. Now gonna... oh, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, we're going to oh, oh, talk God, about God, I'm it. about to get We keep saying we're, we're not going to talk about world. It's going to be a while until we get there. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so the piece, it, what, one of the interesting things he said, one Saturday night did eventually get uh, dusted off. They did a short off-Broadway run, I think, somewhere. Or sure. Uh, but he was like, it's like looking at a baby picture. He's like, yeah. some of it's embarrassing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, it mm-hmm. is what it is. And- but that's the beginning, right? That's the beginning of the evolution. It's sort of what we were saying about body awareness, where it's like, even though it's a phenomenal thing, I don't know anything about Saturday Night. It might be terrible. But even though body awareness is a phenomenal thing, it does feel like a first outing of a voice. Yeah. Right? With Andy mm-hmm. Baker. Yeah. I feel like maybe this is similar. I don't, I don't know Saturday Night, so I can't speak to it, but... I I, Baby I, picture. I I remember like hearing some numbers from it in a in a concert once, but yeah, I've never seen it. Interesting. What's uh, after that? Next, he does um, he does a little project uh, called West Side Story. What's that? Ah, uh, well, it's uh, a modern retelling of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, ah. set in, in the streets of New York City between mm. 
Never heard of Gangs. it. Gangs. Yes, you have. Never heard of that one. Um, the I got Jets play, are I the got, Montagues and the Sharks are the Capulets. That's right. That's right. You know what? I That's one of those shows, and I think I've talked about it on the pod before, that I have like way too many connections to and I'm like super deep in love with. But I, my good friend, and got to shout them out, Ezra Minez is playing anybody's in the new Steven Spielberg uh, uh, Tony Kushner Good. adaptation of West Side Story. Uh, their uh, non-binary uh, um, performer who is cur- currently into, up until COVID was in uh, uh, Jagged Little Pill on Broadway. <gasps> oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, and was like, I, I, I share videos of them uh, singing, um, what is the name of that song? Uh, you want to know? remind you. You ought to know. That yep, one. Yep. It's amazing. Yeah. And I'll awesome. share it with y'all later. It's amazing. But everyone should look up Ezra Minas. They're playing anybody's uh, in the Steven Spielberg thing. That's going to be amazing. But also, I got paid, y'all. I got paid $1,200 a week. American dollars? American Dolores to play Officer Krupke <laughs> in Music Theater Wichita's production. $1,200? Dollars a, a week. week. How did was it an eight show week? Yeah, it was. It ran for it ran for um, two or three weeks because it's like a summer stock situation, kind of. But they and it's regional theater, you know, and they bring in a bunch of people for Broadway. But I had just played Billis in South Pacific, mm-hmm. and so it was sort of just like, well, we're not going to dock you a bunch of pay for the next show you're in this summer. You'll just keep this contract. I'm so to Kansas, I, y'all. It was really nice. Moved to Kansas. Audition for MTW, audition for uh, KC Rep, and audition for the Muni. And yeah, you will we be had, happy. We had MT Midwest Theater auditions at Webster, too. Is that what you're talking yep. about? Yes. Same thing? Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Okay. Yup. It's good times. Yup. It's one of those shows that I really love, but he only did the lyrics for it. Correct. Right. So, uh, and it was, it, it was probably a great learning lesson because it was, you know, it was composed, the music was composed by Leonard Bernstein. Who's, right. You know, uh, beyond. He's, Beyond, like he's next beyond. Yeah, he's well, beyond I just beyond he's ones. beyond. Oh my god, you guys sound like <laughs> yeah. Housewives of I mean, Beverly Hills. We are uh, the depth. I mean, just being around Leonard Bernstein as a young composer and how much right. rubbed off because you can hear right. you can hear it so distinctly. Oh yeah, and, yeah I just rewatched the, the film, the 1961 film, the other night, just for the hell of it. Yeah, it's um, one of my favorite things that's right. ever existed. It's, I'm close personal friends with Russ Tamlin, who plays Riff. Of course you yeah. are. And, then, oh, and you George uh, Shakiri's, I think is his name, mm-hmm. who plays Bernardo. Mm-hmm. Follows yes. me on Instagram. Oh, Ooh, well, isn't that nice. great? Well. I think it's only because I posted a picture with Russ one time or whatever, and he was like, "Aha!" I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, follow me." But yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's my um, name drop that I will go pick up in a second. It's just it, it's so beautifully shot. Like the colors in it are so pretty. Like yeah. the different oh, yeah. shots of the like that and was. Just totally, that and I'm not even like an eagle eye for stuff like that. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. but there, and then the dancing too. The day I have to. Say Yo, like Jerome Robbins. I don't know any. I don't know any large groups of men that can dance like that anymore. Yeah. I don't know many large groups of women that can dance like that anymore. You know what's actually sure, amazing about that there. show, and this is the this is sort of its legacy now, is that it is done in a lot of high schools, right? In fact, I played Tony in high school in sort of a, a half version of it. We didn't do the full version. Uh-huh. We, they did like two years later, and a good friend of mine played Tony, but I did it in like the sort of half cabaret version of it, and so. What we did and what all high schools do is they get all of the football players 
who yes, aren't yes. or basketball <laughs> player or whatever who aren't in season at the time and they go who aren't playing at the time and they go hey you need something to do Boys after school do theater at my come school. be in West Side Story and they just have them do sort of like half like dance yeah it's great I'm all about that I think that's a good legacy I'm all about it I don't know boys wouldn't do theater at my school it's fucking West Side Story he also uh uh um, they ended up Sondheim ended up hitting up Lin-Manuel Miranda for help when they did the revival in I want to say 2006 oh, no. no that sounds right that was company was 2006 oh yeah you're right well yeah. anyway there was, a, there was a production at some point where they did a revival and Lin-Manuel Miranda helped with the translation because they put a bunch of it in Spanish oh cool oh, and cool. they won some bunch of Tonys and they performed it was phenomenal but then uh, Lin ended up actually giving Hamilton to Sondheim for notes <laughs> early on fuck and you. when amazing. it was called fuck the, you isn't that amazing the Hamilton mixtape when I it was called that when uh-huh. it became like Lin-Manuel. Hamilton he gave it to Sondheim and Sondheim's only note was he was like this is very interesting and very cool my only note is and this is very like you know 90 year old man obviously he was like I just feel like two and a half hours of listening to rap could become monotonous but besides that and i was like do you know this generation do you understand we go to you know we, we went to kanye concerts all through high school we are well i did uh i feel like that's all we do we're we're it's a rap concert that's why we're there we're not going to get into hamilton talk because again we pissed too many people off when we talked about it oh really last time. Hmm. That's well, people who don't like it were pissed off. Ah. If that makes sense. Because we were like kind of champion championing it a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And I think there were some people, because we I let's be honest, we're a pretentious podcast. We have some pretentious listeners. High hey, pretentious everyone, listeners. Let me you. like what I like. Back we're the fuck to like off. Hamilton. Oh, wow. We're allowed to like Hamilton. <laughs> but we also put out some legit like opinions on it. Anyway, I'm sorry. I don't know why I went on a diatribe about it. <laughs> let me like what I like. Yeah, Hamilton. fuck off. No, it's um it was like um uh, uh, what's your name? Billy Eilish. Yeah, was on mm-hmm. um, Colbert, and the question came up about uh, Van Halen, and she was like, "Who's Van Halen?" Who fucks that. The internet went nuts, and then it was Wolfgang Van Halen, the the son, yeah, who's got a new album coming out and stuff. Is like, what? Hey, let's all be chill. I'm not going to shame Billy Eilish yeah, she's for what she knows and what I also, what I like and what I yeah, like. Listen like, to music; cares? it's cool. Check it out. I like yeah. it. Like it's all good. <laughs> and I just was like, right on. She's eighteen. That's very Van Halen of him. Yeah, it's very Van Halen of him. Yeah, yeah. Halen of him, yeah. Halen of him <laughs> I think my favorite part I've been rewatching because uh, the Bill and Ted uh, <gasps> trilogy just finished, right? Yeah. Uh, which I haven't watched yet, but I watched the first two uh, this week, and the first one, their whole thing is like, man. We're never going to be a good band until we get Eddie Van Halen. Like that's the only way we're going to do it. And then he's like, he's like, but we have to learn our instruments. Yeah, but until we get Eddie Van Halen, it doesn't even matter. Like, that's, that's, that's the best. I'm sorry. Uh, I hope Face the Music is good. Uh, that's my last thing about that. What happens after Westside? Well, <laughs> he's offered a job and he hesitates. He doesn't want to do it. Okay. Um, and. Um, Oscar Hammerstein tells him he should do it. And okay. that's, he does the lyrics for Gypsy. Oh. Ah. He wanted, he, he wanted to do both, but Ethel Merman was producing. Yeah. And she did not want to hire somebody who had not had a, a hit as a composer. A nobody. Sure. I don't want a nobody sure. to compose this. Well, yeah, as a composer, he hasn't done anything. I get it. I bet she's feeling dumb now. Is it Some People? Yeah, Some People, I think, is one of my favorite beautiful. songs in musical theater. And 
the lyrics of it are what make it so good. Yeah. Some people never seen Gypsy, but I know that you would dig it the most. You really what's, would love it. What's the is that that what what's the big song for? I mean, there's a lot of big songs from Gypsy. He's singing it right now. Uh, it is a, it's Gypsy Rose Lee. Is that an error? Yeah. It's basically about everything's coming up. A roses. Stage that's the song. Right? That's yes. the song. That's yes. the big song. Yeah, and it's um, let me entertain you. All that stuff. Uh-huh. And it's um, my favorite performance of it is actually the Bette Midler one. Um, that's great and the original ethel's great yeah, ethel i listen to the everything's coming up roses ethel merman singing all the time just for a I, yeah goal. hers is the one uh, that I've heard. but it's about stage mom yeah and it's phenomenal and, and the 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 dichotomy of what happens when you treat one as you know your uh i'm living vicariously through you and one as the sort of uh hand-me-down secondhand kind of uh, uh uh child and it's beautiful and it's one of my favorite musicals it is. It's, uh, and I didn't, I'd seen it as a kid. I remember it being on TV or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I'd seen a production of it, which was okay. It was like a regional thing. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I really didn't sit and watch the movie till I was like 17 or 18. And I'm like, it's great. Yeah. I think a lot of sort of end of the century critics kind of pointed and said, this is it. Yeah. This is the epitome of what a great American musical yeah. is and it's gypsy and it was sort of a step in terms of not moral ambiguity but right. she's she's she loving you hate her like yeah. it's this really complicated elizabeth character. moss is the little girl of the main character in the movie in the bet midland in the bet elizabeth movie, moss yeah. 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 a little girl yeah. she's great ben. yeah she does a good job uh which just proves that you know uh if you're a scientologist then you'll be famous from the time you're a kid. Oh, I've, been, I've been listening to and watching all the Lee Remney stuff lately. Oh, so I want to be friends with her. Yeah. Lee uh, Remney, get a beer with us and Annie Baker. Email us, yeah, please. Oh, shout out to Annie Baker, writer of this podcast. I totally forgot. Hey, um, Annie. Yeah. Thanks for the thanks great for, script this week. It's like awesome. Yeah. A lot of interruptions, a lot of talking over each other, a lot of good <laughs> bits. Gonna, a lot of good gonna bits. We're going to lean on that joke until... One day, yeah, she's gonna come have a beer with us. No, she will. Uh, yeah, she totally will. Right no, now, she's just our decide she's a wine drinker. I don't know. What? I have yeah, yeah, and That's what I. I guess. think you were the what winner. I, whatever. Yeah, when you uh, said wine, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I still vote old fashions. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk see. About it. Oh, whatever. Like it's cool. It's cooler than us. What's yeah. after gyps? <laughs> Moving All right, on. now we start getting going. into it. Now we start getting into it because yeah, he does yeah. uh, a funny thing happened on the way to the four. Yeah, one of my least favorite musicals that has ever existed. It's I not. S- it doesn't. It doesn't hold up well. Uh, they did that at the St. Louis Rep when I was in they, school. They do it I made out with one of the guys that was in the chorus. I was huh. the rep slut that year. Wow. Uh, but I don't remember. Tell us anything more about, about it. That <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of an embarrassing time in was my it? life. I was like nineteen. I, well, I was super hot back then. Theater, theater tomfoolery is uh, <laughs> the best tomfoolery. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Say no Showmances more. rarely work, friends. That's true, but they are <laughs> in good time. Messy, <laughs> messy, good fun. <laughs> I like a good sloppy Joe. All right, sloppy Joe. Yeah, that's what I call showmances. Um, <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. Oh, I'm gonna I'm use that. that. Uh, funny thing happens. On, uh, yeah, forum. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time right. on it. It's fine. He does. It's interesting. Lyrics, it's right. interesting. I think to me 
as uh, just watching and seeing the pieces that would become something later on. Yeah. You can see all of, you know, he's the interesting pattern and the yes. lyrics. Yes. And, and he starts, he's trying to get, you know. He's little, starting to play with with theme in his music. He's starting to play, I mean, at least this is when I most notice it. And because it's the first time he's writing music that I know of. But it's, it's just, um, there's fun moments, right? There's, yeah. there's, there's stuff that you're like, haha, yes, oh, he's doing, he's doing interesting things. But every time I've ever seen that show, I walk out offended and not have had a, uh, had, had never, a good time. Never, never seen a good one, and I don't particularly it's care long, for the film. Too, the costumes isn't it? are always really bad. They always put women in really small, terrible outfits that don't fit. I'm all, I'm all for showgirl material and stuff like that. But they do this whole number where the like courtesans come out and they show themselves, and the uh, outfits never fit anybody because they like rent them and pass them around, and it's just like it, I hate that show. No one's ever done a good pseudolus. It's all bad. Even I would even argue the movie Zero Mustel. It's not good. It's just not good. And there's a bunch of people that are going to get angry about that. And you can um, <laughs> hey, let just, us like what it, we it, like, jerks. That's right. But also write a review. I, right? Follow us. Like great. Yeah, if you come, have on, an opinion, come on. It's okay to disagree. I Engage think I think us. for me, like when I go and watch the movie, I'm watching the movie to see. All those Zero Mustel and all those amazing, sure. you, know, you know, Buster Keaton's in it. Sure. And all those faces. And it's very fun. There, there are some funny moments in yeah. it. It just isn't, it just gets boring yeah. after a while. And just not me, worth Which I hate. Time. I hate being so reductive. I hate to go, sure. oh, I don't like it because it's boring. It's just I felt like I've been with it since I was a kid. Right. I remember seeing it as a kid. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, really just community theater fodder at this point. And... Also, it didn't, I'm pretty sure it won Best Musical and he didn't even get a nomination for huh. the right. score. It was weird. It was weird. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a, kind of a shitty time anyway. Anyway, what's up? Uh -huh. Next is um, Anyone Can Whistle, which uh -huh. he also did the music and, and lyrics for. All um, I know about this is that this introduced one of my favorite people on the planet to the musical theater world. Angela Lansbury. Ah, yes. Ah, this is her, like, right. 1964. This is her Cue big breakout. Murder, She Wrote theme song. Yes. Murder, She Wrote uh, is one of the greatest shows of all time. Don't at me. Uh, also, uh, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks is and on par with Mary Poppins. That's fine. That's yes. fine. I will never argue Agreed. that one is better than the I other. I enjoyed her think Mrs. Potts. Oh, Mrs. Potts. Yeah. Oh, can we... At the end of Mary Poppins Returns, when she was the balloon lady, I cried so hard. I cried so so hard. I refuse to see that movie. Okay, well, at the end of that movie, <laughs> big giveaway, because Julie Andrews can't sing anymore, which is the saddest thing on the planet. Saddest. They had Angela Lansbury play this little role that could have been Julie, but it was fine. And it's this balloon woman and... Aww. I'm not quite talking about it. It's the most... It, it, it Mary is, Poppins Returns it slaps. I don't care what anybody says. That I don't like slaps. it as much as you do, but I do love the moments. I'm all about I, it. When they go inside the bowl... <laughs> this is good. That song he sings about his dead wife. Ben Wishaw. <laughs> I like the old movie. I don't know anything about any, anyone can whistle. What's after that? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know much about it. I've heard songs from it. Uh, next, he does um, uh, the lyrics um, to Do I Hear a Waltz with Richard Rogers right. composing. It was yeah. kind of. Last Richard Rogers, end of Richard Rogers' 
career, I yeah. think. Then he does in 1966 Evening Primrose, which I have I heard sung in concert as part of this thing that I saw one time. And it has some some cool moments in it. Hmm. It's building to the next one, which is our deep dive in just a second. But it's I, I, I've never seen a full-scale production of it. Mm. I can't even remember fully what it's about, but I just remember hearing the songs going, oh, I hear this there. I hear some of this here and um, from some of his other shows. Yeah. Um, either of you know anything? No. No? no. Okay. Sure don't. Then, uh, then we get to 1970, mm. and this is where I think he bursts it open, and that's Company. Here comes Company. <laughs> Bobby. Bobby, baby. Bobby. Bobby, Bobby. Bobby, Bobby. Bobby, Bobby darling. Bobby. Uh, Company is about Robert, a 35-year-old dude in NYC. He's unmarried, and all of his friends think that he should be married. And it's really kind of more of a montage Mm -hmm. of scenes about dating and marriage. Yeah, it it reminded me, it reminds me of like we talked about there was that Carol Churchill play that was kind of a kaleidoscope of different things, or like almost Maine, or like anything Mm -hmm. like that, where it feels like they're all connected in a small way, but it's mostly just moments in time. Right. And Elaine Stretch. Elaine Stretch. <laughs> In the original. Um, I, yeah, it was written as um, uh, 11 little mini threes. Threes? Wasn't it called threes before? Like yeah, initially? On, uh, George Firth. Uh, well, they updated it. And I, you know, I can't remember. Anyway, George Firth had written a series of, of short plays and they, they assembled them together and it just all takes place on the night of his 35th birthday, as you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he starts getting into the detachment that he experienced as a child. Right. You can hear that come through sure. very clearly. He lets that character. It's the first time I think that he really creates a full dark, not dark character. Robert's not dark, but he goes to a dark place. He breaks sure. down, yeah. you know. This one feels very Neil Simon to me. Like, just the whole, like, you're not married, you should be married. Here, double date. Now we're going to talk about how women are and how men are. And and he was aiming it at what we we kind of call an elitist crowd. Sure. And he was aiming it. Well, and Neil Simon was the guy at the time, right? So I feel like that's sort of what people were looking for anyway. Well, but for him, so he's in his... He's roughly Robert's age at right. this time. So he's dealing, well, he's a little older. Um, Sondheim is. He's in about 40 by this point. But he, uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, but he's, somebody jump in. It's totally <laughs> spaced out. Um, it's just, it fascinating. Oh, I got it. I remember. It's also the idea, and she's, uh, she sings about it later in, in the show, the idea of being in between generations. They're mm. too old for the young people, and they're too old for the old, too old for the, you know, too young for the old 35 people. 35 is a weird age like that. Right. Mm. And especially at that time in, with such a cataclysmic cultural shift going on, right, you yeah. know, and the idea that, you know, weed is snuck into it and, you know, sure. there's a joint that's smoked. And right, right. The idea of talking about swinging and, yeah. you know, all that stuff isn't, we haven't gotten into the seventies yet. Sure. Right. Um, and so it's that cusp, which is, such a fascinating point to to hang a show on. I agree. And then it endures. Yeah, it really does. I, I have to be honest, though, that I, besides um, being alive, which is something I was assigned in my first, like, musical theater class in college, and it was, like, the first thing I was graded on as, like, a song, solo song or something like that. So I knew that song really well. But 
everything else from it, and every time I had seen it, I was always sort of like bored. Here's and just like, to the ladies. Ladies to lunch. lunch. Yeah, and I the, my, actually my biggest my biggest like uh, uh, knowledge of that was Anna Kendrick singing it in the movie Camp. Oh, which right. is yeah, it's yeah. a hilarious scene where she basically poisons this other girl who was supposed to sing it so that she can sing it, and it's brilliant. And she goes on and she sings this, she sings it really intensely. And then at the end, when she's going "Rise, Rise," she's like doing it so intensely that the audience starts <laughs> to stand up because they're like, "What?" Okay. And it's it's amazing. Um, if you haven't watched Camp, it's one of the worst movies of all time, and somehow. I still cry. Yeah, it's, it's, it. it's it's become a cult. It's kind of a cult. It's thing a cult. Now. Thing. The acting it's is where, just so yeah. bad. Sondheim is in the movie. Yes. by the way, he makes <laughs> a yeah, he makes a cameo. Uh, I guess I just ruined that because it's like a big reveal. But um, it's okay. I'm never going to see it. Yeah, fine. Um, <laughs> but company is one of those things that I think you do actually need to maybe not. I, I'm not speaking for everyone, but I needed to be in the age range to even give a fuck a little bit. I dig that. As someone who just turned 30 last month, I'm sort of like, <laughs> okay, I Welcome. get this now. Yeah. Like a little more. Yeah. And I think I'll get it more in five years and more in five years after that. But when I was 21 and I was listening to this, I was going... <laughs> dumb old people. The original cast it. recording sounds vintage. Like yeah, the yeah, instrumentation they're using, yeah. it's I've never and I've only ever heard the original cast recording. So I've I, I feel what, like they did a revival in two thousand six. Yeah. 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 Oh right, the Raul. Yeah. I feel like all original cast re- recordings from like the seventies sound like they're from the eighteen. Well, and they have, <laughs> that, they, have that, they have that documentary about it, right? Oh, I've never. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I've never seen it. The documentary about the recording of the album. Is that the one? Oh, interesting. Or is it Merrily We Roll Along? I think it's Merrily. Maybe it's Merrily. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. But, um, and then they do the spoof of of it on uh, documentary. I have a really interesting actual, well, I don't know that it's that interesting. Um, A couple years ago for Serial Killers, our late night show here, we had a piece that was doing really well written by a friend of the podcast, Tony Foster, who's an amazing writer. Um, he was writing a show that every week it had it had two main people, but then there was a guest that came in and it was very like musical theater jokes the whole time. Well, I, I and everyone was like waiting for their invite to be written into the script. And he approaches me and he's like, hey, I was thinking about writing you in. I was like, yes, I, I just want you to know I've always wanted to sing. Here's the ladies who lunch uh, in its entirety. And um, you should just put that in for my character. Yeah. So then a couple weeks later, he hands me the script and he goes, you know company really well, right? And I was like, uh, uh, no. And it turned out that my character the whole time, I was this harried mother that was trying to throw a birthday party for my five-year-old. And every other line, I sang a snippet from a song from company. Mm. And I only knew Ladies Who Lunch. So in like a week, I crammed the entire <laughs> album <laughs> so that I knew what the fuck I was doing right, on right, stage. Right. Yeah. yeah. I just awesome. love that Elaine Stritch. Um, oh, yeah. Have y'all listened to or watched the Raul Esparza one? Yes, I did. Yeah, I, I watched it last night. I had seen... So Is I that on s- YouTube? Huh? That was on YouTube? Yeah. Oh, okay. The whole thing's on YouTube. And it's, I watched it years ago. But. It's, it's first of all, it's a marvelous, clever production yeah. of yeah. it. Did that. Who also had done the Sweeney Todd like oh. a year or two earlier, where he used the same gimmick, which was that the cast plays plays all the instruments. Oh, cool, yeah. cool, cool. So, and what, it, what made it work so well with Company, and I think that the trick of Company has always been not all those people are likable and it could 
it's 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 actually requires some really really good acting to make those characters likable. So what the gimmick does is that everybody's playing instruments. Use most most of them playing multiple instruments, Oof, uh-huh. and they're moving around in this beautiful set. It's a very modern, very sort of empty and dark kind of thing. And they're rotating around him, and then they're sitting behind him right. when they're not in the scene. And so, like, couples will come in playing the instruments and then set down the instruments, play the scene, pick up the thing. Yeah. Sometimes the instruments become part of them, almost right. like a, a daemon from uh, from his dark materials. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like um so and they end up actually they uh, a director years later uh did that with the Michael Service Sweeney Todd. No, he, that was him. He'd done it with Sweeney oh, it Todd the, same, the year oh, before. It was the same shit? guy. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Got it. I think cool. it's more powerful in Sweeney Todd yeah. and more badass in Sweeney it Todd. Sluts me straight up. For sure. Yeah. But it, it creates this great gimmick where he's the only one not playing. Yeah. And so by the end, the build is, is that he wants to play. So as being alive starts, it's him sitting down at the piano, which has been anchored center stage through the whole thing. It's actually, there's a Tony performance of it where they, they, their Tony performance was just him at the piano singing. Yeah. Okay. Epic. It's a great I think it got song. Then, oh yeah, and then they they all start coming in, and then eventually he gets up from it, and they all surround him, all playing, all singing back up, mm-hmm. and it's he nailed it. Like uh-huh. it was a really great performance. So I think it's very it's a it, it's a it's a tightrope of a show. Yeah, it, the music's hard. The scenes are hard mm-hmm. in between the songs. So and the energy, you know, you're talking about a character's almost faceless. There's this sort of uh, idea of sort of a definitely sort of the existential 60s character sure. you know that, that's painted on robert Absolutely. that makes it so interesting did you guys watch the neil patrick harris one by chance there's i've a, seen him do numbers from it. yeah there's it's a fine. neil patrick harris it's, it's a like concert it. staging of it is yeah. what it's meant to be but they pretty much just do the show um they're not holding scripts or anything but it it, it feels a little more concerty um but it's it's fine it's fine. Yeah, he's fine. I don't he's know. fine. I thought he was. Be- I think he's better in crazier stuff. I love like he, the, he's the great stuff in I saw on the Hedwig stuff. I like. Yeah, his Hedwig stuff. His assassin stuff. Is that, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, oh we'll he's great that. in we'll assassins. He needs. Um, yeah, that's how yeah. he needs to be utilized. He needs to be that sort of. He's one of those guys that you think of as a leading man, sure. but he's more of a character actor. Exactly. He's, he like, needs it's to the play the thing. He needs it's, to play the character actors as the leading man. He's it's, right, it is, right, it's the right, right. Yeah. Um, but no, I think what struck me the most, uh, I was talking to Bailey right before we started, CJ, uh, was just how much this, that it, I felt it endured. Mm-hmm. Now, they did the tweak in the 90s where they updated stuff, but... Right. I, you know, and again, it's because I'm, well, I'm past, I'm past that age now, but like, I can feel with that age, you know, that just doing the opposite of what everybody's telling me to do. Well, like, you know who handled that question really beautifully, in my opinion, that who? is completely not like musical theater? Who? Bojack Horseman. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the character Diane hits 35 in the middle of the right. show. And it's uh, and uh, boy, that that character spoke to me big time in that way, too. Yeah. But. If anyone hasn't watched Bojack Horseman and you're in the, the, the arts industry... Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Or you live in L.A. Or you live in L.A. at all. Like, or if you're even industry adjacent, you need to be watching the show. (laughs) 
Bojack, Bojack Horseman, come have a beer with us. Bojack, come, come have a beer Deep with friend us of the pod. Baker. Deep friend of the pod. Uh, <laughs> no, awesome. Bojack oh probably oh, shouldn't can, have can a beer with Will us. Arnett? So we on. know somebody that knows Will Arnett. Hold on one second. If we got Bojack and Annie in the same room, uh-huh. what, maybe they're, I think they're the same person. What playwright would we talk about with them? Oh. That's a good question. Mm, I need to think about that. If Oof. we did a miniseries where we got Bojack, not Will Arnett, Bojack, Bojack and we got and Annie Baker as well, and we got to have like a sort of, you know, they get to iconoclast, talk it out kind of thing. Like, what do we... Beckett. Yeah, okay. So next week we will have Bojack and Annie Baker on for our episode. Can't wait, y'all! Can't oh, wait. God. I've always wanted to meet both of them. Oh, fuck yeah! Uh, <laughs> anyway, company. So, is there anything else about company? I feel no, like we can go I, like, all like day. Like I said, I think it, it, uh, you know, I think you start hearing, you know, all the power in it. I think you start to hear the. This is the one that you start to hear people. Taking ownership. Yeah. You know, yeah. I sang the way ladies yep. who lunch. Yep. Screw you. I've done Sondheim. That's like, right. That's, that's right. where you hear it. Like, just like. Uh, there's a badge to, there's a badge that you place on yourself yeah. when you put this on your resume, yeah. right? It's like, I have sang being alive in front of a fucking audience. <laughs> yeah. I can now say that I am a true. I, I, yeah. Well, and you, and like full credit because he it delivers like yeah. Yeah. and, and that, his music that's, is that's complicated what, too and, and sophisticated he builds that whole show with you know and there's no there's a few throwaway songs I, I would say but yeah. there's some really great stuff and it builds and it builds and builds and that's how you end your show yeah. with just this like human being stripped down in front of you metaphorically and and yeah. letting it rip or like and in Hedwig uh, not metaphorically yeah just completely stripped down yeah yes or hey guys yeah you know what what's up I think we should wrap up part one <gasps> really I do I think okay. we should I think we should play Pam's song we've gotten <gasps> through the early stuff we, we got through his first stuff yeah and then we got we got four big deep dives ahead we of got us it. that's true okay we're gonna go yeah. balls yeah. deep cool. I'm all about that I mean normally we don't do like a an outro because we have more to the mini series, but since we kind of know that we're in the same room now, we don't have to deal with Zoom. Yeah, we actually know what's going on. I'll go ahead and do sort of an outro. This is let's great. do it. Okay, yes. so thank oh, you for joining yes. us on our first episode of our mini series, Sweeney Pod, the Demon Podcast of Fleet Street. Oh my God, that's so a ten the tale of Sweeney that's Pod. So good. Uh, on the works of Stephen Sondheim. We'll be Such back for our next episode next week. We're dropping every Sunday now. Um, thank you so much to Pamela Quinn for the mashup of uh, Sondheim that you're about to hear. It is phenomenal. Uh, just wait. Just wait. That's I got shit. stuff, too. Wait, what? I've got stuff. He's got stuff. There's I LA theater stuff oh, actually shit. happening. We can do a whole LA theater spotlight. There's LA theater stuff happening. All right, guys, we're going to do an LA theater spotlight. We don't normally do this until the end of the miniseries, but since we get to be in the same fucking room, well, we're going to do it. And right then also, uh, there's some time-sensitive stuff, so by the time people hear this recording, which is in two days, then they'll still be able to do some of this stuff. Yeah. It's in here and and then get ready for stuff that's coming up. That's amazing. First of all, uh, Nathan C. Jones, uh, which is uh, stars Amir Levy, Sacred Fools member Amir Levy, written by uh, Sacred Fools member Vanessa Stewart and co-artistic director. Check it out, y'all. It's great. And uh, it's being done via the Blank Theater, uh, which is 
one of our sister theater companies yep. in town. And Just they down are the street. always yeah. magnificent. Um, so if you go to YouTube, there's a thing, kids, called YouTube uh, on the interwebs. You go to YouTube and yeah. you type in The Blank Theater. Uh, they have a channel there. And Nathan C. Jones is a uh, one-man show uh, musical, original mm-hmm. musical mm-hmm. done via Zoom. Super um, fun. And, yeah. and it's super fun and innovative and uh, you need it in this day and age. And it's less than an hour. It's a tight, fun thing. Yeah, it was like 50 minutes. Yeah. Um, also coming up, uh, we have two of um, our Sacred Fools members, Rob LaCrone and Therese Olson. Yeah. They are currently doing um, what's called The Art of Facing Fear. Uh, it is a new Zoom theater Experience, uh, project right? yeah. digital thing. Yeah. It's going to be Saturdays at 5 p.m., Sundays at 3 p.m. Okay. Uh, through September. Uh, it's a diverse cast using innovative digital approach. Um, you can visit roblacrone.com, uh, and the links are on there, and yeah. you can check it out. Um, I'm excited. I'm not going to be able to see it till next weekend, but I'm going to see it next weekend. Sweet. And then finally, um, one of our dear friends, former co-artistic director uh, of Sacred Fools, um, Aviva Pressman, is going to be doing a one-woman show called Deadlift. Uh, and it's being produced uh, by the local classic rep company in Pittsburgh. Cool. Uh, and wow. it's going to be an online storytelling uh, thing, and she's going to be on it. It's going to run September 30th through October 4th. Uh, check out the local classic rep of Pittsburgh's website. Love that. Uh, and then go check it out. But that's theater stuff that's happening. That's so amazing. I got some stuff coming here, up. Y'all. I got some stuff coming up later. Yeah, this yeah well, that's but right. Yeah. We'll talk we'll, about we'll, it later. We'll get into that later. But later. yeah, Scott did just get cast in something fun. So we'll talk about that when we can. Yeah. Um, please follow us on all the things theater, the, theater underscore theater underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you know, send us emails, anything like that. But also what helps us the most is when you rate, uh, subscribe and review. That really does help. Even if it's a one star review, it just it gets us more uh, 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 people talking. Right. Yes. Because even a Give bad review is uh, someone talking about us. So yes. uh, hit us up at the end of the miniseries. We will read some of our reviews that we have. And we love you guys so much. As always, attend the tale of Sweeney Pod. There's Go watch so Mary, much pooping. Go watch Mary Poppins Returns. Such slaps. a good name uh, for this no, podcast. Uh, such a good name. Hey, hey, hey. Okay. Uh, big thanks to Ryan Thomas Johnson who wrote a theme song. Yeah. We're going to leave you now with Pamela Quinn and her special Steven Sondheim special themed super song medley drama. We'll see y'all next week. Thanks, Love Pam. Angela Thanks. Lansbury is greater than Julie Andrews. <gasps> Shut up! Fresh, so 
Why did you say you?